from Wakefield. It's the Nolan Friday Night Show. How are you doing, Nolan? This gets sweet Jeff Kent for the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's Nolan. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the show. Join me this week. Not only is he a fan of, of sports and basketball, but he shares a common thread with me, although his skills, specifically at that school, are way better than myself. We have a common thread of URI and URI basketball. He attended the school in the late 80s to the early 90s. He had a big playoff run at the school. He is the one only Jeff Kent. Jeff, how are you today? I'm doing well, Nolan. Thanks for having me. Of course. Well, you know, I, I like to start like this. And although I also like to say, you know, it's, it's always a treat to hear from former URI players to share their stories and how they became so successful as they were at the school the last it's been a quite interesting time the last handful of years through the entire world for in your perspective and in your life experiences how's it been for you now looking back at it now it's sort of you know not as you know severe are we talking about what we the, the, what the world went through in the last couple of years yeah yeah it was interesting you know so i have three sons and they're 23 17 and 14 so you know um I think it was was difficult as a father to to help them navigate that because it was the first time obviously I'm 52 so I've never seen or experienced anything like that so I think the biggest challenge was helping my sons kind of navigate that and coming out healthy you know both mentally and physically yeah um I think we did a good job we put a gym in the basement we all lifted weights in the basement um tried to stay away from the news and some try to determine you know what how we felt about things Sure. And just tried to make the best out of it. And um, I think we came out of it pretty good. So, um, yeah, it was a difficult situation for a lot of people. But I, honestly, I think my family managed it pretty well. And we came out the other side all healthy and ready to rejoin society, I should say. Well, that's, that's what we all have to do. Now, what this time also gives, and I always like hearing what people say about this, is that it gives them a time to reflect on themselves and see what they learned about themselves that they didn't know prior. So for you, what did Jeff Kent learn about himself? During the last three years, they didn't know prior. That's a good question. You know, I've been doing this dad thing. People ask me, what, what do I do for a living? I say, I'm raising three boys. And that's really my focus in life. Um, I'm not going to share my Instagram username, but you saw it. So I'm very proud of my young men. Um, you know, so I, it, it's, it. you know, what did I learn about myself? Um that I can kind of, I can get along, you know, I know what I need in life at this point and my, how important my family is to me. Um, you know, I think the last few years, a lot of folks lost a lot of friends for a lot of different reasons, whether political or any other reason. Um, you know, so I think I've learned truly what's important to me and, you know, that's family and a healthy family and healthy relationships. So I think that's probably the biggest takeaway for me. Sure. Well, and I think that also gives you time to think about the things that maybe you took for granted prior to all of it and realize that the smaller things important are important just as well as maybe the bigger things that you were accustomed to or or <laughs> used to now I, I wanted to have you on because you were you are and were a talented basketball player in, in college and in general and for you I, I like to start as this on, on top of all that stuff growing up wherever it, it may have been your relationship with basketball not only in terms of recreationally but in terms of Hey, maybe I can do this after high school, maybe get right to college or whatever it may be. Yeah. So I grew up, believe it or not, a pretty poor kid from the east side of Providence. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, my mom was a waitress, single mom for a while, and then she remarried stepfather. And, you know, we had our issues at home. So basketball was my escape, um, which it is for a lot of kids, you know. Um, you know, I think people hear that you grew up on the east side of Providence. I'm a Jewish kid. Um, my mother moved us over there so we could be close to the temple, so we could walk to the temple because she worked late, late nights as a waitress. Um, so a little bit, I think people had a misconception of my background and where I came from. Um, but like a lot of other kids, basketball was my escape. When things weren't good at home, I'd grab my ball and go shoot. Um, you know, then as I progressed through middle school, you know, I think I was, I always talk about this. I think I hit six foot in eighth grade. I was still playing football, still loved baseball. Um, was lucky enough to go to LaSalle. My father was put us through LaSalle. Um, six, three as a freshman, still played freshman football, wasn't hundred percent focused on basketball. Um, and then came back my sophomore year at six, seven was playing JV football. And I decided, you know, I think I got hit a couple times. But I was like, you know what? Basketball is probably my path to, uh, you know, college scholarship was always top of mind and the goal. Um, my parents weren't paying for me to go to school. You know, my mom always said, I was just happy you graduated high school after I got done. Cause neither one of my parents graduated high school. Right. Um, so you, as a parent, you want your kid to do better than what you did. And, you know, graduating high school was better than what my mom did. So, um, you know, playing in college was, was more my dream than my parents' dream again, cause they were just happy we were getting through high school. Sure. Um, and then things got serious. Things started getting serious as a sophomore or six, seven as a sophomore, um, started varsity, you know, I don't know what I averaged for points, 10 points a game. But then the summer between my sophomore junior years, you know, I, I, I was six, nine at this point, um, playing summer league successfully. Um, at that point now it was, um, you know, where am I going to go to school? I, I was pretty confident I could get a scholarship somewhere and now it's division one, two or three. Right. Sure. Um, so that summer really kind of put me on the path to, it was really down to PC or URI and right. it's an interesting story. Um, Rick Patino was the coach at PC. I'm a LaSalle kid. So I'm at PC almost every day after school, we'd sneak in the gym and they'd let us run. <laughs> we would play with the students. Um, and Patino was the coach who I loved and he was, you know, getting ready to, he was building that team for that final four run. If yeah. you remember, um, not a bunch, I don't want to say no name guys, but you know, they were an average big East team at the time when he came in. Um, and he took a, you know, an average team and really made them great. Um, so I loved his approach to the game, loved him, loved everything about him, loved the school. Um, and then in between my junior and senior year, I'm at Eastern Invitational Basketball Camp. And I was like a junior counselor. So you pay for a, a week and then they give you a week for free because you work. Right. So the director of the camp knew who I was because I was a junior counselor. And he comes up to me. He's like, did you hear the news? And I'm like, no, what? And he's like, Rick Patino just signed with the Celtics, I think it was, mm -hmm. or he left PC. It's a little blurry because I know he jumped around, but yeah. he ended up leaving PC in between my junior senior year. So he points over to a court and he says, you see that guy over there? It was just like blonde headed tan guy. And I'm like, yeah, he goes, that's Tom Penders. Go introduce yourself. I'm like, all right. So I went over there, talked to Tom Penders. Um, he was teaching um, a kid, the Texas hop, which later they became like the, you know, the jump stop and talked to him. Um, really liked him, and, you know, played my junior basketball season at LaSalle. And then going into my senior year, um, URI was was primed to have a good season. Um, I signed with URI before my senior season. Um, so Tom Penders was the head coach. I signed to go play for him. Um, and then I ended up, I don't know if it's fate or whatever, I ended up breaking my wrist my senior year of high school. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really, I didn't play at all pretty much. My Actually, I, I played. I scored my 1,000 points. I played about Christmas. And then I got hurt playing basketball. 
um, but I had already signed. Um, so that's kind of, you know, and then, so Rick Pitino leaves PC. I end up at URI with Penders, which I love. It was, it was great. They were the better team at the time anyway. And um, my brother was at URI playing football. Uh-huh. So it kind of made sense. Um, and then at the end of a successful run in the NCAAs, Tom Penders left and went to Texas. Yeah. <laughs> And then I was, I don't want to say I was stuck with Al Skinner, but I was signed to go to school back then. You couldn't, you couldn't change your mind because yeah. the head coach left, you couldn't leave. <clears throat> so I ended up playing for Al. Um, so that was a long answer to yeah. a short oh, no, question. No, I was curious about that because my, my dad had attended URI the same years that you were there and he had mentioned LaSalle. So I sort of want to ask you about high school. We, we see nowadays though with high school sports, I mean, high school, well, maybe higher up advanced high school athletes, you see basketball specifically and football the the college decision and you see the wear the hats the jerseys only switch it up and play these jokes for you though going through high school you mentioned it pc then you or i how did you deal with it as a 17 18 year old kid yeah the school's coming in and paying attention and focusing on you it was a blast so letters would come in the mail every day um i was i was open to pretty much going anywhere i, I didn't have it in my mind that you know i had to stay local um so i had a lot of conversations Stations with some schools um, that weren't on the East Coast, some out West. Um, Cal State Fullerton was one. And there were a lot of schools, I think, were looking at me, waiting to waiting to see me play my senior year, you know. Um, and I ended up signing early, so that kind of nixed all that. And, like, Boston College reached out to me after I signed. He's like, I'm kicking myself in the ass for not recruiting you harder because I was waiting to see you play your senior year. Um, so a lot of, lot of letters in the mail. Um Again, I was in love with PC and I was in love with Rick Pitino. I went to all his camps. Um, I felt like he was the guy that could really develop me into something special um, because I was a kid that kind of needed to be developed, you know, big guy that could shoot, not that fast, but, you know, I saw what he did with, you know, the, you know, with the guys he had, Dave Kipper and some Steve Wright and some of the other big guys he had that he took to the final four. Um, So I really believe that was the school for me. And then, you know, we kind of just talked about how he left and then Penders was finding success at URI. URI was on the rise. Um, but I was still in love with the school. I was in love with Penders and my brother was there. My brother was my best friend at the sure. time. So it was a relatively easy decision. But I tell you, the attention that I got, and we did like a little radio broadcast when I signed. I made my decision. It was no TVs and no hats or anything like that. But um, we did have like a signing day at LaSalle. Um, and there were some radio stations there. And I still remember doing the interview like it was yesterday. And I'll never forget, like, I mean, I'm 52. Someone asked me, he's like, what was the experience like? And I'm pretty sure my answer was like, well, it was everything you would expect. And I was like, that probably wasn't the best answer. Um, but that's how I answered, you know? Like, I remember, like, it was yesterday. We're sitting in the guidance. My Our basketball coach was the guidance counselor. So um, we did do a little press release thing. So it, it was cool, you know? Was, um, I love the attention. There's nothing better. I have three boys. Two of them have potential to play baseball in college. So, you know, I've tried to share with them my dream, but it really has to be their dream. Sure. I'm kind of going through that with my 17 year old right now. Um, I think baseball in college is a little more my dream than his. Um, but for me, you know, it was um, an amazing experience. Um, just that, you know, the feeling of people wanting you, you sure. know what I mean? As a kid um, and knowing that you can bring something special to the table and help a team win. Um, it's an experience like no other, you know, sure. and not everybody gets to a, gets to go through it um i probably didn't appreciate it enough at the time and now that i kind of relive it and talk about it a little bit and i really haven't since then um i'm you know i find myself very fortunate to have sure. gone through that and you know any kids that get to go through that on any level it's really a it's, it's special time in your life so enjoy it 
you you just talked about how you know Rick Pino leaves the year you're about to go, and then you talk about then Tom Pender's leaving. So then it's just Al Skinner, it's the rest of his staff. At that time, though, in a talented high school player scoring your thousand point, and throughout URI you have a successful career there as well. What was your conversation in terms of what with Al in terms of what you would provide, but also what they were looking for for you to provide for the team? So this is where looking back, I have some negative feelings with URI. Um, you know, Al was a very young head coach. I think he was 40 when he got the job. And when you're 20, you know, I'm 18 as a freshman, 40 year old man seems like an old man. Right. Yeah. Um, but now that I'm 52, I was like, geez, how did he take that job as a 40 year old? Um, you know, are you ready to do a job like that when you're 40? Um, so I have some ill feelings towards the coach. I would say the coaching staff more towards Al. I don't think he did enough for me throughout the four years. I'll tell you right now, we never sat down and had a conversation about my path. Um, I was 100% at URI to go to the NBA. Um, right. Like I said, my parents didn't graduate high school. I wouldn't have gone to college if it wasn't for basketball. Um, I 100% went to college, went to URI to go to the NBA because right. I felt like that was the only thing I could do in life. I'm like, what else am I going to do? I'm like, I'm a kid. I'm not, I wasn't a bright student, wasn't smart, wasn't well-spoken, um, didn't have the upbringing. I, I felt that, you know, some kids have where you can jump into corporate America and be successful. Um, so the NBA was my, was my path or, you know, at least I felt like it was so disappointing. Al and I, I promise you, I can't remember going into my senior year. He says, if you want to get drafted, you got to average this many points and get this many rebounds. Uh, That's literally the extent of the conversation I had with Al throughout four years around Jeff Kent and what's he going to do with his life? Sure. Um, we had some great assistant coaches, Billy Cohen, who went on to coach Northeastern, who I think he's still there. Yeah. Timmy O'Shea. Um, they were young guys at the time. Um, and I think they offered some guidance. Um, but I never felt like I got anything extra from any of the coaches at your, sure. which is looking back. I was just another kid looking for direction and looking for a mentor. And none of the coaches really provided that to me, unfortunately. You, you mentioned, you know, although you're almost going to PC, URI has a rich, and I don't say in the last few years, maybe not necessarily a rich history scene as they've taken a few L's from PC yeah. recently, but entering your freshman year, how much of an idea did you have of the rivalry that URI recently had with PC, Temple, and the schools like UMass? So, you know, growing up in Rhode Island, very aware of the PC-URI rivalry. Um, I was a huge Big East fan um, through high school because I followed PC more than URI. Um, I was a huge Syracuse fan. Um, so well aware of the rivalry. I mean, you watch those games on TV. It used to be the Civic Center back then, now the Dunk Center. Um, so I was well aware of it. Um, as a freshman, you know, they were coming off a very successful year um with tom penders in 1991 um and no not 1991 88-89 um when they did you know they made a sweet 16 run um so they were still you know kenny green was there bonzi colson was there i saw mergen cena was on your show um so i looked up to all those guys because i yeah. watched them make that run right so you gotta understand i'm a senior at lasalle your eyes making this run and um you know the nca games are on at like one in the afternoon so like they're giving, you know, LaSalle's making announcements of the scores at URI. Um, so I was kind of the big man on campus at LaSalle, at LaSalle at the time. So as a freshman, you know, and, you know, watching all those guys do what they did the year before, I really looked up to, to them. Um, they took me under my wing. Mergen Cena, you know, really was, a, you know, a great teammate to me. Kenny Green, same. Um, you know, Bonzi as well. Um, you know, they embraced me. Um, I played a little bit as a freshman and, um very grateful for the teammates that I had, you know, cause I think it made up for the lack of 
support from the coaching staff or Al Skinner. I don't want to say coaching <laughs> staff, probably Al. Sorry. Well, I wanted to ask you about that, seeing as there are a few guys left over from that Sweet 16 run when during your freshman year. And being that throughout your uh, your time at URN, I don't know how relevant or, or credible a sports reference website is of statistics, but being that you were the one the only few true centers on the team, learning from Monte Colson, some of those other guys who played the combo center and uh, forward position, what was that like to play with them? <clears throat> yeah, so number one, Kenny Green was easy to play with because you just throw the ball up in the air, he'll go get it. Um, <laughs> You know, he was an um, unbelievable post player. Um, what I learned from Bonzi was a toughness. You know, he wasn't a guy that's going to put up 15, 20 points a game, but he was tough. You know, he taught me how to give a foul in Division One basketball. When you give a foul, you don't give a layup. Um, you know, so he he taught me a, a bit of toughness that I needed as a freshman. Um, and just, you know, taught me what Division One basketball is all about. It's a much faster, it's, it's faster than you think. Um, you know, it's the game just moves quick. And as a freshman, you know, it takes time to slow the game down a little bit in your mind and, and kind of catch up. Um, you know, Kenny was was awesome to play with. Um, you know, I didn't have Kenny's ability where he could just kind of turn and jump over you and, and take a hook shot and not get it blocked. Um, you know, so I had to be a little bit more creative offensively like Bonzi. You know, not a not a crazy athletic guy, but a big guy. Um, so I think my game was more like Bonzi's at the time. I could take it outside a little bit more than Bonzi could. Um, but that came a little bit later. Um and then Mergen Cena was kind of that swing player. And we had John Evans as well. Um, you know, I was kind of somewhere in between Bonzi and, and Mergen, right? Mergen was a little bit more of an outside player. I was just a little too slow to play outside in Division One, um, but I could shoot. Um, so very grateful. They all, again, they all helped um, kind of help me progress as a freshman. And they accepted us, accepted me. Um, you know, I never felt any any negativity from any of the players. It was It was really a great environment, you know. I think we were all disappointed in that freshman season, yeah. in my freshman season, because we just expectations were still a little high sure. based off of coming off that year. But they lost some pieces. I mean, when you yeah. lose Tommy Garrick and Silky Owens, it's they're hard to replace. We brought in some transfers that, you know, um, we're transferring for a reason, right? You know, yeah. but good players. Sure. Um, but you know, I think Al did the best he could with what he had, and we just kind of probably underperformed, to be honest with sure. you. Well, I, I, I sort of, that was sort of my next question. They're coming off of that highly successful season of the Sweet 16 run, and then they're probably, well, not probably, they are expected to then maybe even do even better um, the following year, as, as most teams are kind of <laughs> expected to do with fans who may or not be super present with them. Yep. During that time, even though you're coming into this team your freshman year and the year after, how much do you remember of, of the team maybe, not maybe worrying, but having that effect on them of taking their attention away from playing basketball instead of <laughs> being much better um if i understand the yeah i think i understand what you're asking me um the biggest challenge coming off that year was our schedule um so we had a schedule like tom penders was coaching and we had a top 20 team um so if i remember correctly my freshman year i think we went and played at las vegas at arizona state at houston um you know so tom penders had had the schedule in place before he left uh -huh. um so we just had a crazy non-conference schedule and we got beat up. You know, I remember Kenny Green held his own. We played Las Vegas in Las Vegas in the Shark Tank. And Kenny was throwing their shots all over the gym. Um, but he was really the only one that performed well that night. I think, I don't even know if I played. I might have played a little bit. Um, so I think the biggest challenge that freshman year, and again, if I'm answering the question, I hope so, um, was the schedule. And then, yeah, high expectations. But it just goes to show you when a coach leaves, um, typically there's a rebuilding process, you sure. know. And Al just couldn't pick up the pieces that were left behind from, from Tom. Sure. So, yeah.
that that year, you know, as you said, you, you didn't play a whole lot. To then the following year, you're you're playing more. Then you, your scoring goes up. So what happened between the end of your freshman year, from your own ability, to then the beginning of your sophomore year, where then you're playing more and then your your skill level is higher up. Besides the point that Bonzi and those guys had graduated. Yeah, I mean, part of it was I was playing more, right? So I think I started as a sophomore. So I was in the in the we call it the first five, whatever. Starting, I was starting. Um, so I was just getting more minutes on the court. Um, the game starts to slow down a little bit, spent a lot of time in the weight room, kind of getting my body ready for division one basketball. Um, so I think it's just a combination of, you know, the game slowing down a little bit, understanding where I can score. Um, you know, again, I always look back. I think I could have done more with, you know, had I been positioned better within the offense, but as a sophomore, I was kind of still trying to figure it out a little bit and taking what came to me rather than going to get it. Um, and to be honest with you, I don't know if I ever really ever went and got it at URI. I kind of always just let the game come to me. Um, I wasn't selfish enough. Um, and, um, I think it hurt me personally anyway, as far as getting drafted as a senior, things like that. But, um, yeah, I think just like, you know, freshman to sophomore year, you just kind of start figuring it out. Game slows down. Um, I still, I don't think I scored a bunch my sophomore year. I don't remember what I averaged. Was it eight points a game or six points a game? Um, but again, was happening, you know, again, you know, I wanted to play. So I went to a school where I start, you know, play a little bit as a freshman. I was starting as a sophomore and that's really was part of my goal going to a D1 school. You know, I didn't want to go to a school that's, you know, a top 10 school and sit on the bench for two years, you know? So in my mind, I was achieving my goals. Um, I was on the court. I was having opportunities. Um, so I'm grateful for that, Tal, you know? You're, and I've, I've read this or not read this. I've been, sort of getting this from players that have played for URI that's different nowadays where everyone, you know, years ago would play as many games as they could, if not every game, they'd play in the game as long as they could. In your junior year, now you're starting every game and you're there on the court as much as possible. For you to now, after your freshman year, not really playing a whole lot, sophomore year, now you're starting. Junior year, the new guys are now coming in again. Your thoughts on now where you were with the team and, and, and your performance on the report card. So junior year, I think I became a little bit more of a leader. Um, I don't know if I was captain junior year. Maybe. I don't remember. Um, I, I might have been co-captain. I don't remember. But I felt like I took on more responsibilities. I was become a leader. I was always a very vocal player. As a center, I always kind of directed the defense. I was always very vocal, um, which I try to instill in my kids on the baseball field, but they're just not getting it. But anyway, um, I had a loud mouth. Um, so I was confident in what I was doing. Um, I felt like I was moving towards my goal of getting drafted and playing the NBA. Um, I kind of had an idea in my mind, how many points I needed to average, what I needed to do for rebounds. I think it was my junior year. We were running, it was early in the season, like preseason and we were running our fast break drill and I would always come back. I would come last. I take the ball to bounce, come last. And I would, you know, look for a jump shot at the, at like at the free throw line. And I think that was the year where Al said, Hey, just stop at the three point line and shoot the three. And I was like, hallelujah. He's going to let me shoot the three. Yeah. Um, so that's where I kind of came in, became more of an outside player where I would shoot that three on the trail. Um, and it kind of became, I don't want to say it was my trademark. It was in the offense. Um, you know, but I was able to shoot it for a pretty good percentage looking back now. Um, so I think in my junior years where I became a little bit opened up for me a little bit more outside, but I wish looking back, Al had run more for me. He was yeah. always said, I don't want to run anything for you going away from the basket. You know, I was six ten in the Atlantic 10. That was a true center at the time. Um, after I left, you know, bigger, bigger guys came in. Um, so he wanted me under the basket. Um, 
I wish there was more offense run for me away from the basket because it was really it fit my skill set better. Sure. I wasn't really a post up player. Um, and after going to play in Europe, you know, I was really more of a guy going away from the basket. Um, so I just, you know, I wasn't developed maybe the way I had hoped or not at the time, but looking sure. back. Um, but yeah, my junior year was when things started coming together. Playing outside opened up for me now to get some alley-oops going to the basket because the big guy had to come out and play me at the top of the key. So it opened up the offense a little bit for me, but sure. I still just, you know, I needed more shot, shots per game. That's what I guess would be my gripe looking back. Um, that that but, year I, I, I read uh, online, you guys have a win streak that you have. Uh, uh, you guys are doing pretty well at the beginning of the season. I think it was 12-1 and one, you guys went on a run. When you guys are ha- building that success, not only from a personal level, but a, a team level, how did how do you guys keep that going? But also realize that this is just it's it's another game, and we have to make sure we're holding up this win status. So you're referring to my senior year. So okay. I went back and yeah, so I went back and I looked at um our schedule. I was just I have it up on my on my screen, and just to kind of recap, you know, you know what, just to remember basically, right? And yeah. I I remember a lot of it, and you know, there was every game we won during that win streak. So we we started out like two and all whatever. We lost the PC by like three points, which stunk. Um, but PC, we were a better team, but it's always a 50-50 game. Yeah. Anybody can win that game anytime, right? So we lose to PC, and then like you said, we go on an eight-game win streak. Um, so it was about 30 days. It was December 20th. I think I was looking at the December 21st to January 20th. We didn't lose a game. Um in my mind, so I'm a senior. I'm like, if I can just make the NCAA tournament, get on TV, because back then there was only a few, you know, if you didn't play in the NCAA, NIT wasn't televised. Sure. If I can just get this team to the NCAAs, <laughs> win one or two games, score 20-something points a game, you know, ha- have have a good game on national TV, I'll get drafted. Sure. So, you know, I was one of the few seniors on the team, and the pressure every game just built, built, and built. I'm like, sure. if we can get this team to a top 25, we were knocking on the door. I think we were 12-1. and one. And literally, if we win two more games in a row, we're top 25. And my dream was, my goal that year was just, I want to see URI on the top 25 yeah. ESPN ticker, right? And I forget who we lost to. It was West Virginia, maybe, or I forget who broke our streak. Um, I lost my shit in the bathroom. <laughs> um, in tears, throwing trash cans. Um, just disappointed, upset, pissed off. Didn't feel like the team cared enough, um, you know. And I remember someone sharing with me what Al Skinner said to the team while I was in there crying like a baby, throwing shit around. Um, you know, he said he sh- he should show that on the court. Should have showed that on the court. And someone shared that with me. And I think that was probably the most disrespectful thing that a coach could have done, has said. Um, you know, but then Billy Cohen pulled me aside. This was later. And he said, you know, you got to understand not everybody is putting the pressure or feels the pressure that you feel to win games because they weren't seniors. They weren't necessarily trying to go to the NBA. Um, So that was a tough night. Um, I don't know if my, I, part of my reaction was to try to wake the team up. Um, It was part of, I wanted them to know how much I cared. I was captain senior. Um, I wasn't giving up on the season. Um, I felt like we needed a kick in the ass at the time. And I don't think I was the guy to do it. Um, So I tried to do it. Um, you know, I, I wish he had, he never even had a conversation with me about it. We just didn't talk. Um, but, you know, we, we, we kind of, we readied the ship a little bit and we finished out. Okay. You know, I was looking at the schedule. We lost seven conference games and that just shouldn't have happened too many close okay. games. 
Um, I think we won all all of our non-conference games except for PC. Um, but the pressure was there. Let me tell you, it was it was enjoyable. But I could just feel that top twenty-five around the corner. Mm-hmm. I could feel us, you know, getting an NCAA bid, and that was my end to the NBA. You know, just one or two good games on national TV, and I I was going to get drafted. Um, so very disappointed how we kind of finished up, but we made a nice little run in the sure. MIT. Yeah. Well, I, I want to speak that because you or I also, whether it was it's the NCAA tournament or the NIT, they, they've had in both, although re- last few years, they really haven't had the ability to do that with whether it be coaching or players or commitment from their players, whatever it may be, which is another thing I've realized through former players on the team. And they talk about how they all, you know, they fit together regardless of the results of the team and that they all were committed to that team. Whereas you see nowadays with college athletes, they, they, they leave early because they're not getting the time that they think that they should be having or whatever the results may be. But for you as a player, and I asked you about going into URI with the rivalry games they had with eight, 10 teams and PC, yep. then as a player, you were able to experience that from your perspective, growing up, watching the team, you know, do well in the NCAA tournament for you, what was your reaction to making the NIT tournament and then the run you guys had? Yeah, so I was, you know, we were disappointed but happy. You know, we felt like we did enough to get in the NCAs, but unfortunately, with URI, like with a lot of teams, twenty and eight in our schedule, and all the non-conference wins would have been enough to get in, but we didn't have a good season before. You know, so we we after Sweet Sixteen, we struggled for three years. So had we had a better year or two years leading up to my senior year, I think twenty and eight gets us in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think they made a mistake based on our history, right? So. If we're 22 and six, I think we're in maybe even 21 and seven. Um, so we were this close. We're like a yeah. one away, you know, we lost three times to UMass, John Calpari, another guy yeah. I love. He's like a Patino guy. Um, I was just looking at the schedule. I'm like, he got us three times that year. And I think we had a triple overtime game in the cage. Um, so, you know, happy to be playing in the postseason because yeah. it was our first, my first run and my yeah. senior. Um, I'll tell you this. So we go to um, Vanderbilt. We beat them. Double overtime. I think it was double overtime with Boston College at Boston College. They said going into the BC game, the rumor was we win, we beat BC, we're guaranteed a home game. Uh, now, Keeney Gym's our home gym, 3,500 yeah. 3, seats at the time, right? NIT is all about money. So they said, you beat BC, you get a home game. So we're like, all right, we win this game, we're home, we're definitely winning at home. No way we're losing. Um, we beat BC. I think everybody's like, oh shit, they beat BC. <laughs> NIT was, right? Now what? And they sent us to fricking Utah. Um, And Utah was a decent team, but it was just a hard place to play. Sure. Uh, It was a big stadium. It was cold, whatever. But we play Utah at home. We're moving on. And I think the moving on might've been the final four. I don't know. Um, Or maybe final eight. Um, So again, happy to be there. It was a great run. The Boston college game. I had a heck of a game. I remember their coach gave me a great compliment after the game because he was recruiting me. And then they ended up signing Billy Curley. Well, I could have played with Billy Curley. We were both big guys. Um, I played against him with tra- AAU a little bit. Um, he was more of a post player than I was. Um, and again, BC coach um, had reached out to me after I signed. And after the game, he said, Jeff Kent's as good a big man as we played all year. Mm-hmm. And that's a big East team. So I'll never forget that compliment. Yeah. Um, it was a great experience. Um, yeah, so it was a good run. Um, disappointed we didn't get a home game, honestly, sure. in that third game. We should have. Because I don't think there's another team that played three road games in the NIT. They gave it to us a little bit, but that right. year that it was either that year or the year prior that I read that you, you guys cashed in some receipts on St. Joe's and I think St. Bonaventure's that had the team's number prior to that. 
when, when, when you're able to go to then from maybe a losing season or season that borderline winning or losing season against a few teams that take care of business against you guys to then the next year where you guys are super successful to then beat these A-10 rivals, what was it like for you as a player? Yeah, so the greatest example I can give you, during the middle of that run, number one, it was nice, right? So we always struggle at UMass. Even my senior year, they got us three times. But Cal Perry's is a good coach. Um, the St. Joe's, yeah, the, you know, going on the road and playing. I remember my senior year was when we were knocking on the top 25 and we walked into St. Joe's and it was that, the whisper of, this is, oh shit, this is URI. Like, mm -hmm. this is this is the team, right? Um, where you, 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 you went out there and you felt like, the crowd was like, damn, we're not beating these guys. You know what I mean? Um, so I'll never forget that feeling. And I think we lost that game or we lost the game to them that year. Um, but yeah, it was nice to step on the floor being the team to beat. Right. Sure. Cause up until my senior year, we hadn't been the team to beat. Um, so yeah, a lot of good memories, a lot of good road wins my senior year. Um, and then we just lost some unfortunate ones, you know, sure. like I look at, you know, three points here and there to GW at GW. Um, I think I got like a fourth foul or I fouled out of that game with five minutes left on a, a clean block shot. Um, you know, so we lost some close ones, but um, yeah, that feeling of stepping on the court, knocking on the top 25, um, it was a great feeling and something that we all worked very hard to achieve. You talked about Kenny Jim for a quick second. Now, obviously they have had for the, almost the last 20 years, the Ryan center, Playing at Kenny Gym, a small environment. Those who have played for URI have been on here that have been fortunate to have, have talked about the environment that that was and what that did to the other players and the coaches from those schools with the fans that were there. What was that like playing at, at, at Kenny Gym when you were a student? <clears throat> yeah, so it was an upgrade for me. So I went to LaSalle Academy. Yeah. And back then, like my old gym is now the theater. So uh, just to give you a, like a reference, they put the three-point line came into effect my senior year. Our gym was so small that the three-point line had to end at the free-throw line, <laughs> extended, because they was, the court wasn't wide enough to have a three-point line. Wow. It was the smallest gym in the state. So for me, going from LaSalle to Keeney was like, this is Division One <laughs> basketball, right? Plus, you you know, I watched it, you know, on TV and watching them making their Sweet 16 run. Um, but I'll tell you, there wasn't a louder gym that I ever played in than Keeney <laughs> Gym. You put 3,500 people there, um, and it was usually under the basket standing room only, you know, so plays are happening where high five and, you know, during the game, I'm <laughs> high five and a fan or something. Um, so I wouldn't change it for the world. I wouldn't change Keeney gym for the Ryan center. Um, because you or I can fill 4,000 seats, um, yeah. not necessarily fill 9,000. And I remember we played UMass at home my senior year and you couldn't hear yourself think it was wow. so loud. Um, so I think it brought the fans closer to the game. They're literally on the floor. Um, the noise level was ridiculous. Um, so I loved it. And again, I wouldn't trade Keeney for Ryan, not for anything, for all the sure. wins. Yeah, no. yeah. Well, it's it's, it's a, a magnificent place. And to picture, I mean, to be, step inside of it years after anything, even though, or during the moment, to see what it was like and to see that they fit all those people in there and to see how crazy it was. It's sort of hard to imagine because it's much smaller than most uh, up-to-date stadiums. You mentioned playing overseas. After graduating from URI, your relationship with basketball in terms of playing professionally, seeing as your dreams were to make the NBA, but you end up playing overseas. Yeah. So NBA was my dream. I didn't get drafted. Um, there's a lot of circumstances behind, you know, why I did and didn't get drafted and that's yeah. fine. Um, but I mentioned that I grew up a Jewish kid. Um, so knowing that European basketball existed, I knew, right. But I, we were playing UMass at UMass 
And um, that was like, I think the triple overtime game. I had like 35 points, best game of my life. Um, an agent came up to me after the game and he says, hi, my name's Guy Zucker. I'm, I'm an agent, blah, blah, blah. I'm from Israel. You know, do you, do you, do you ever want to think about playing overseas? I was like, ah, eh, well, I'm going to the NBA. So whatever, you know what I mean? I kind of blew him off. So I don't get drafted. This guy, Guy Zucker stays in contact with me. He says, um, Hey, I'm having a tryout. There's a team from Israel, Maccabi Tel Aviv. Um, they're having some guy, they're bringing some guys, they're putting them up in, I think it was Brandeis university in Massachusetts. And they were doing like a three or four day mini camp. So they were looking for, you know, back then European teams could have two Americans on the team. So I'm talking to this guy and throughout the time after the UMass game up until this mini camp, he finds out I'm Jewish. So now his wheels are turning. Right. So I don't know anything about European basketball. So he's like, it comes down to, it. he's having this mini camp. He tells me about Maccabi Tel Aviv. I kind of big time. I'm like, I'm not, um, I was still getting ready to go to rookie camps and stuff. Um, so I said, yeah, I'll show up for a day. So like these guys have been in there killing themselves for three days. I show up like a jerk. You know, I think my girlfriend's with me at the time. Right. Uh, and we come walking in the gym. I put my bag down and we start playing And Herb Dixon, who I played with, he was my point guard at URI was there. So there was a couple guys there that I knew and me and Herbie were on the same team and he was just feeding me. I was in the best shape of my life. I was ready to go. And I tore it up. Absolutely tore it up. Um, so after the camp, um, the coach is like, fly back to Israel with us. So now I'm a Jewish kid and I'm like, ah, I can't jump on a plane right now. So I kind of let it go. We, we start talking on the phone and he's like, the guy Zucker's like, listen, they really want you to come out and visit because Israel, I'm thinking third world country. Yeah. You just, I'm a kid. I don't know anything about Israel. I am Jewish. I'm like, you know what? Worst case, it's a free trip to Israel. I'm Jewish. Why not? Yeah. So they fly me out there, business class, put me in a beautiful hotel on the ocean, um, right on the Mediterranean. The country's gorgeous. And little do I realize that they pay a lot of money. They pay good yeah. money. So long, not long story short, long story long. Um, we end up negotiating a four-year contract right out of, out, of, out of college. So what it was, was because I was Jewish, I could naturalize in Israel, become an Israeli citizen very easily. Took like a year. Um, and then they could have me on the team plus two Americans. So it made me more valuable financially. All right. Um, so I ended up signing a four-year deal with Israel. Um, and that was a blast, um, kind of unexpected, but really fell in love with the culture and, and European, I say European, it's Middle Eastern, but it's more of a European lifestyle. Um, so really, really enjoyed my time there. I think I, I played in Europe for about nine years, nine seasons. Um, so after Israel for seven years, then I went to Germany and I ended up playing in England. That's a long story for a year. <laughs> and then I retired at 32, which seemed like I was an old man at the time, but looking back, not so much. That experience, though, playing overseas and the money that you're making, because it, it, it's a lot of money to be making, especially at, at a younger, young age and playing yep. sports. How did you not let that consume you and let that take over your then ability to be a basketball player? Yeah, I didn't make I wasn't making tons of money. I mean, my first year out, I was making sixty five thousand dollars. It was cash. So no taxes. Yeah. So, you know, my paycheck was sixty five hundred bucks a month. Um you know, as a 22 year old kid with no bills, it was a lot of money, I yeah. guess. Right. But it wasn't millions. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, money got better over the next couple of years. Um, but for me, it was freedom. I'll tell you, like I said, I grew up, you know, a poor kid from the East side. And I think as soon as I started getting paid, you know, um, I think I ordered like 15 pairs of shoes from this <laughs> shoe play, a Friedman shoes. Um, because I grew up without having shoes. I sure. went to LaSalle. Like I wore the same pair of shoes for two years. They had holes in the bottom. Um, so I definitely overspent. Um, and, you know, found out what it was like for the first time in my life to have my own money and money that I could live comfortably on. Um, but it wasn't enough money where it got in the way of like my focus with basketball. You know what sure. I mean? Looking back at it all and, and 
maybe not just the fact of you or I, but the ability, the chance that you had to then help usher a team into not just a, a new era, but a new decade. And then playing overseas, how do you look back at it all seeing as it's, you know, been it been a few years yeah so after i left uri people were like oh did you understand i was like nah that was before me i was like i like to think we built the foundation or i helped build the foundation yeah. for what uri the success that they had after i left um i hope it wasn't because i left <laughs> um but you know i think al you know he put some good pieces in place um you know and again i think we built you know a, a winning um environment my senior year that helped them moving forward because they yeah. definitely experienced a lot of success after i left yeah um, and kudos to them, kudos to Al. Um, but I'm not bitter that I wasn't part of it. You know, sure. my journey was my journey and I own that. Um, I think I went to URI at probably the worst possible time, you know, I could have within sure. that, you know, eight year span or 10 year span, just because of the coach, you know, so much success and the coach leaving. Um, you know, and I think a three year rebuilding process was reasonable Al as a head coach. Um, I just wish that, um, yeah, my regret is I wish I was, I had done more. Uh, on the court and i wish i had more help you know from from al looking back at it and mentioning your success that you had and talking about coaching changes when you were there you or i recently just went through a coaching change from david cox who they had for a few years and who was an assistant with dan hurley to then now a new guy archie miller who was at indiana and dayton what do you hope as a new coach, what do you hope he brings to your alma mater as a coach? Yeah, I, I mean, the frustrating part with URI is it's always a stepping stone. And yeah. I don't know how to fix that. Um, I don't know if URI can ever pay enough money or get the person, the right person in there that says, you know what, like an Eddie Cooley, I'm staying. I'm not going yeah. anywhere. You know, I don't know that Eddie, they're going to have to throw Eddie out of PC. I grew up <laughs> with Eddie Cooley. Um, we played travel ball together. Um, I respect the heck out of him. Um I'm sure there's jobs out there he could get, right? Especially yeah. after last year. I think he was coach of the year last year in the yeah. East, maybe. He could get jobs, right? Um, your eye needs an Eddie Cooley. So I don't know, you know, I don't recruit coaches. I don't know who that right guy is or or girl or whoever. Um, but they need an Eddie Cooley. Sure. So the, the, that's what they need. They need someone that's committed. Um, there were rumors that Patino was interested in the job at some point. I would have loved to see them pull the trigger yeah. on it. Um, everybody deserves second and third chances sure. as far as I'm concerned. Um, I think that would have been amazing for the university. Um, I understand why they didn't. Um, but they just need someone to build the program up and stay, you know, and not go chase money in, in a bigger program. Sure. You know, they have the gym, they have the campus. It's, it's in a beautiful state. You know, um, I live in South County. I'm 10 minutes from the campus. <laughs> um, you just got to find that person that wants to stay, man, because it's just a stepping stone, unfortunately. Sure. And, and I think that's unfortunate. Now it's turned to a, a money business or a, a, no offense to NILs and God, God willing, God bless the kids who chase after that to want to make money. And after years of not being able to do that as a college athlete. But I, I think that there needs to be, as you said, a coach that wants to be there and stay there and help get players. And although transfers and grad students help get players who are going to be there for four years, not leave and not have to rebuild every four years because that's not fun. And then a coach leaves, and then they have a poor experience. Now, before we end here today, and again, I want to thank you a great deal for doing this. I want to end on a little segment called the One Word Challenge. So in this, I thought a few names or people or places or things that have some connection to my guest this week being Jeff Kent, and he has to do his best to say whatever comes to mind when he hears this in a word or two or sentence, if he can. So are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. Uh, Kingston. Home. Uh, King Jim. Memories. Uh, Ed Cooley. Friend. Uh, Bonzi Colson. Great teammate. 
A10 basketball. Challenging. And last but certainly never least in this cosmic universe we all live in, Jeff Kent. A dude trying to figure it out. <laughs> well, I think, especially nowadays, we're all trying to figure out, well, Jeff, I want to say thank you very much for taking the time to do this and give me some insight on in your experiences at URI. It was a, a, a big treat for me. Thanks for having me, Nolan. I really appreciate it. Heck of a job, man. Well, I wish thank you the best you. of luck in the future. Well, all those out there who enjoy this, because who the hell wouldn't you going to want to subscribe, follow, comment, share all that fun jazz, because down the road becomes as successful and big time as Joe Rogan's because why wouldn't it be? You're going to say, holy crap, the episode with the legendary Jeff Kent was amazing. Follow on Twitter, Nolan Car Knight, and Instagram, Nolan Car Knight Show, in the words of Johnny Carson, individual, heartfelt goodnight. Take care and see you later.